The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Monday, November 15, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss Camel Fighting Dodo Birds and Leaky Black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And if you're a, a regular listener of this podcast, you know that we typically record on Sunday nights as opposed to, to, to Monday mornings. And, and that's going to be the case for the most part for the rest of the season. But Detleg, he flew from Spokane back to New York early Sunday on, I'm told, literally no sleep. Like, didn't sleep at all. And, and Sunday was my little guy's fifth birthday party. So Sunday was... It is bad for both of us, but we're here early, kind of early, not as early as we thought we'd be, on this Monday morning, which isn't much, it's not much better for me because uh, my, my wife and I uh, were at a concert last night, stayed out a little too late, uh, so I'm not, I don't think I'm in tip-top shape, but I'm here, Deadleg, how you feeling on this Monday morning? Well, I'm I'm on almost 12 hours of sleep, so I'm I'm doing okay, uh, except for the fact that literally the morning I left for Gonzaga, our we stopped having hot water, so our <laughs> hot water heater stopped working. My wife, I, I left town with two children with my I left my wife, and uh, it's you know temperatures are in the low 40s, high 30s at night, and there's been no hot water in this house for four straight days, and about 10 minutes before we started podcasting. We had this guy come back out because they couldn't finish it on Friday. And apparently they don't work on the weekends. Mm. Came back out. And, you know, going to need a new hot water heater. Imagine what it would be like to not work on the weekends. How much fun would that be? I know. Wouldn't that that be something? Heck of a a setup there. So um, we're doing okay. I just, you know, it's one of those things where, like, you think you're paying for a part, maybe a couple of hours worth of labor. Let's get it done. And it's like. Now, here's this thing that you should only have to replace every 10, 12, 14 years, and now you need a new one. So that on top of, by the way, everyone watching, I said I'd fix the thing behind me. Here's the grand reveal of the Chicago Bears flag I bought off of Amazon. (laughs) Too little. You're too little. It's too little. This thing isn't remotely big enough. It's like the Jalen Duran of flags. You better be you better be keeping an eye on Jalen Duran, by the way. He's looking he's a monster. He's looking pretty good right now. So <laughs> reminder to anyone who didn't hear, we'll save this for really another episode in the future. Paris promised to commit suicide if Jalen Duran gets drafted first in the NBA draft. <laughs> I'm gonna end my own life over an NBA draft. I might, might as well. Anyway, so we're doing okay here. It's glad to be back. Yes, normally we'll have Sunday night episodes for you, but uh, I just had a super early flight. We'll get to my review of Spokane at large, I guess, in a second. But one of those deals where the flight boarded at the flight began boarding at four thirty in the four thirty a.m. local. You know, doors closed by five o five or whatever. So 
by the time I had filed a column, it was, you know, was extremely late, didn't chance it. And then, you know, just no sleep on the plane. But I did. I did watch a basketball game, a college hoops game on the plane, which we'll get to in a little bit here. But it's great to be back and uh, it's great to see you. I love your new glasses. Okay. Thank you. These are my distance glasses. I've reached the age where I have different glasses depending on what I need to do. I love this idea that you're going to chime in and uh, check in on this video podcast, not knowing which pair of specs GP is going to be rocking here, but uh, it's great to see you. And I'm, I hope you had a great time at the, uh, at the Dwight Yoakam show because uh, you do it. It's a Monday morning and yet you're kind of looking like a Sunday morning. If you know what I feel. It's uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's been a rough, it's been a rough little stretch for me. So my, my little guy's birthday party was Sunday afternoon. And then, uh, my wife and I have some friends, Jameson and McGee, and Jameson is in Dwight Yoakam's band, and they happen to be playing a home game on uh, Sunday night. And so, uh, you know, so like Jameson's in Dwight Yoakam's band, and McGee, she's an actress slash writer. Like, um, I, I guess most famously, she was in Walk the Line with Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon. She played um, Reba Cash, Johnny's. Cash's sister. So, um, so we, I'm not, I've reached, I'm, I'm a man with different glasses for different occasions. That, that's where I'm at in my life. If I want to see far, I got to put these on. If I want to see close, I've got another, uh, another pair. Can't find my close ones. So I'm, I'm in my distance glasses, which means I can't see my computer screen very well. It's a, it's a tough, it's a tough spot. So, um, we went, we went to the show last night and it's, uh, trying to recover from I'm just I, I, I'm 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 a little bit like the LeBron James of concert goers oh, is that what you are yes I had a prime I had a prime but now I can strain my abdomen just randomly <laughs> I feel like I'm working here with a strained abdomen and a slight and a slight headache but I'm good you got a tape measure, by the way. You know, you could have measured that window before you bought that thing. I could have. I didn't. I didn't quite think it all the way through here. I thought it was going to be good to go. It said it was like twelve by eighteen. I eyeballed it. <laughs> I needed your glasses. Was what I need. <laughs> That's really what I needed. I needed your glasses. I, 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 my distance glasses or my close-up glasses. Probably my close-ups. Yeah, I needed your. I needed your close-ups there. So, uh, so it's all good. And the, and the good news is, is the sun's really starting to come out behind me. So I'll try not to blind our listeners. But uh, but uh, seriously, and all thanks to everyone, we are more. It took us three episodes to get to more than a thousand subscribers on YouTube. So as I'm sure GP will remind you at the end of the podcast, make sure you subscribe, ding the bell, click the bell. I don't know what we're doing with that bell, but uh, when you get that, it means the show is up on YouTube and you're good to go. But to everyone that's hopped on board and watching now, we appreciate you. We enjoy the comments and uh, only can go up from here. Do you want me to like carry the load on this Gonzaga Texas game while? Uh, while your while your Monday after recovery uh, kind of continues to pay. Listen, honestly, I'm used to this. I can get through it. Okay. I, I, there's no problem for me. It just, uh, it's just you know, just starting a little. It got off to a rough start. Listen, we had two top five matchups this weekend: Villanova, UCLA. That was late Friday, and boy, I mean late Friday. And then we had Texas Gonzaga on Saturday night. We're gonna start with the one Norlander uh, covered in person in Spokane. His first trip to Spokane. Final score, Gonzaga 86, Texas 74. It's a 12-point win. It kind of felt like a 40-point win. The game was never competitive. Drew Timmy was awesome. How'd you like your first trip to the kennel? Loved it. Loved it. Um, it was, uh, f- I mean, a phenomenal uh, environment, obviously. And 
it was for everyone in the building. You know, last season, Gonzaga uh, was not obviously playing in front of crowds. And the first game of the season was against uh, Dixie State, which apparently is going to be uh, Utah Tech University soon. Yeah, I was uh, wondering if they needed to change that. Yeah, that's getting changed. Dixie even State in Utah. Yeah, even as, a even as a Mississippian, I was like, how did they get Dixie State up there? More absurd than the Utah Jazz. But anyway, uh, that's so the name of that university apparently is changing at some point soon. But regardless, the point I'm making here is that uh, while the building was packed, uh, Gonzaga's new kennel, if you will, has been open since the 0405 season. Literally every game has been a sellout. Um, so the opener was a sellout as well. But this one really brought uh, a ton of anticipation. Before I get into the details of the game, just something we talked about plenty, but I feel bears repeating after what Chris Beard had said, and I actually, I had watched the UCLA Nova, uh, UCLA Nova game the night before with the Texas staff. And as we were watching that, Beard had mentioned to me the exact thing he said in the post game, which is like, you know, having these kind of games, I know it's obvious, it just still doesn't happen enough. Home and homes between ranked programs needs to happen more frequently. And I, I understand the... Um, the way that the schedules are built and there's all these neutral site games and they provide plenty of really awesome matchups. But I think one way around that is there's got to be a conscious effort by more coaches at top teams to schedule home and homes the first week of the season. Everyone realizes that Maui battle for Atlantis and, uh, you know, litany of other, they're going to be out in California at the wooden legacy. They'll be down in Orlando. There's going to be a game in Cancun. There's going to be everywhere, right? We, we understand all that, but that's usually week two into week three of the college basketball season, I think if if the sport could collectively make an effort to have these home-and-homes the first week of the season so that we could have one potentially almost every night except maybe 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 that NFL Sunday, but even then we had a solid enough uh, true uh, road environment with Florida and Florida State, well, which we'll get to in a bit. But Beard, who, has, who was like an okay scheduler at Texas Tech, uh, he insists this is going to be the deal. It's going to be at least one, if not two, road games for Texas going forward. And he's he's right. So I know I know you agree with this in full, GP. But I did want to just start with that off the top because when, when I was sitting there at the kennel and kind of just taking this all in after having gone with you to the Champions Classic, which is a fine event, and if that's got to be a neutral and it always will, that's fine. I think that that's an exception to the rule because of where the venue usually is and the fan bases that travel. But uh, it just felt incredible to be in that building with that student section, which, you know, camped out the night before, okay? And then they just, they swarm. They got that whole lower bowl, which doesn't show as well on TV. It's on the side the TV camera is. So, actually, when my press seat faced the student section, it looked a lot better. Um, college basketball does a decent job with its non-conference schedule. But if you could have a situation where you can somehow align at least one true home and road environment between top 25 level programs, you know, almost every night to, to start the season, I think it would just give that much more juice, that much more of a boost to the sport. Agree? No, it, of course. Um, there's nothing like being on campus. Like we get all of these incredible uh, neutral site games. You know, for instance, um, we had Duke Kentucky earlier, you know, you know to, to open the season. And it was great at the Garden. And I do agree with you. Like, the Garden is the exception to the rule. The Champions Classic is the exception. But think about if it was Kentucky Duke at Cameron or Kentucky Duke at Rupp. It's just a different deal completely. Or even the first game, Kansas-Michigan State, which, by the way, wasn't a great environment because, like, half the crowd 
was at you know at dinner yes. you know, in Midtown Manhattan, and but but put that in Allen Fieldhouse or put that at the Breslin Center. It's just a different deal. Not to mention, and I get it, it's a business, but buying you know good seats, season tickets for a great college basketball program is crazy expensive because you don't just buy the tickets. It's like the tickets plus a ten thousand dollar donation. Mm. Or, you know, I mean, it's real money. And, you know, I think so often programs don't give their season ticket holders the best season ticket package they could give them because they take so many of the high profile games and they move them to Barclays Center or, you know, the Bahamas or Cancun or wherever. And so, again, it's a business. I understand that. The, the dollars behind all of this, but there's just, there's nothing better than great on-campus basketball games or, you know, for the handful of programs that don't play on campus, you know, put it in their home arena, uh, wherever that is. Uh, we don't get enough of that, uh, you know, in, in the non-conference part of the schedule, but, you know, Texas Gonzaga and, you know, UCLA Villanova, they provided that this weekend and it's just, it's, it's, it just trumps everything else. Like, I've been to the kennel. And, and by the way, I, I noticed this the other night. I didn't tweet it because I'm not trying to get involved in other people's broadcast. Um, it didn't sound the way I know it sounds on television. It just didn't. It wasn't popping on television the way that I know it was like in the building. Uh, it, that, that didn't come through too well. The way it, it sometimes, it felt like the audio was a little, I don't know. I just noticed yeah, I, I just noticed that it didn't – it wasn't as loud as I know that it was. You were there. I imagine it's one of the best college basketball environments you've ever been in because I saw you tweet maybe a video yeah. like an hour before the game, and like maybe 50 minutes before the game, and it was already on fire. And that's just not something you're ever going to get at a neutral neutral site. Uh, nope. okay. yeah. It was, uh, yeah, I sent out a few videos there uh, just uh, of the student section. It's, it's like, it's truly goosebump inducing stuff. It was awesome. You mentioned the price of the tickets. When I spoke with Mark Few the day before, he kind of pointed out, he pointed a couple rows of seats there, a couple rows of seats there that were near the floor. But there's like, there there are some tickets that for season tickets, people are playing a million dollars to see Gonzaga basketball. And a couple are like 500 grand or 600 grand or whatever. So uh, your point's exactly uh, correct there. And the build, the building, by the way, uh shouts to the there were actually a, a quite a shouts to the Gonzaga fans who l- listen and love the podcast had a had a few uh find me I was I was walking through the pregame line outside and uh they're screaming Norlander I love the podcast you people are terrific and I appreciate it some nice fellow named Brendan came and found me in the hotel lobby before the game um really really cool people out there and I love Spokane as the whole by the way it was a bigger city than I was expecting I think it's like 200 and 30, 240,000, but, uh, but a nice Pacific Northwest, uh, spot there. And I really uh, enjoyed my dinner at Mizuna, uh, you know, prior to the game and all that good stuff. So I enjoyed it as for the basketball, man. Uh, I didn't know what quite what to expect. Having spent, uh, time, uh, with Gonzaga and Texas before the game, each of them going through practices and shoot arounds. Uh, I thought Gonzaga would win. I thought the line was too big. Uh, that, proved to be incorrect (laughs) we were both quite wrong on that but um man true timmy see i read he was obviously the the focus of my column 
how could he not be? Gonzaga played well on the whole. Like Rashir Bolton hit an absurd buzzer beater before the half. How about this? It took like three games for a more ridiculous buzzer beater. Now I know it wasn't to win a game and it wasn't at the end of the half, but this is even more absurd than Jalen Suggs's. Like that was, it was more unlikely. That kind of that prayer that fell into his lap and he hit it, banked in. They were up 20 to go into the break there. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can see Nada, our producer. Shouts to you, Nada. Is kind of scrolling through the, uh, the column there with Drew Timmy flexing the bicep. On that note, I asked Timmy the day before when we sat down, I said, are you still going to do, like, are you still doing the, the stash celebration and all this other stuff? He's like, he's like, yeah, man. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not out here to not be myself. I'm trying to have fun if i don't have fun then i'm not going to be the kind of player that i that i know that i can be and, and want to be and i think it's wonderful because i i get before we get to the rest of it in texas i'll just ask you this real quick like i guess i get why some people are starting to have an issue with drew timmy if we're being honest it, it almost feels like it's because it's like it's a classic white guy with attitude and so and and combine it that he plays for gonzaga which still hasn't won a title and all this stuff and that's leading to it Come on now. Drew Timmy is not the villain of college basketball, right? No, I've never thought of him that way. And I don't know why anybody would be bothered by anything that he does. It's it's actually funny. Yeah. Like, when he did, like when he did the, what, like he had the, the the flex. But then the one that actually made me LOL was, yeah, when he's too little. No, when he. Uh, oh, I missed that. People were, I didn't even see that. Apparently, was he saying, that, was he actually going you out there? Was he saying they were too little? Is it like, yeah, like he, he did the, you know, when you. You put your hand real, like, really close to the crown to like show this guy's too little. He's too little. I, that's my favorite one. That it's my favorite one that people do. LeBron does it sometimes. Um, yeah, no, he did that, and I like auto. Yeah, I, I like I legit LOL'd like when he he too little somebody. He was awesome, and I don't know why anybody would bother. I'm not bothered by anybody's celebration on in any sport at any time. Bat flip. Uh, you know, jog backwards when you're rounding second. It doesn't matter. To me. <laughs> yeah. I love all of it. And so I'll never be bothered. You know, I, 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 I'll get, I'm getting old and I'll be an old, old, super old man someday, but I'll never be the old man who's yelling about people having fun. Um, I, I drew Timmy's a blast to watch. He was awesome. And he celebrated and, and, and guess what? It'll flip around. You know, he'll get, he'll get eat up by somebody at some point this season and they'll, and they'll celebrate on him. And I'll laugh at that too. I love it all. Exactly. In fact, I was talking, when I talked to Timmy about this, I was like, you know, do you, do you talk a lot of smack? Do you talk a lot of junk? He's like, you know, I'll, I'll go back and forth. And last year when they played, I guess it was Northwestern state. One of their bigs asked him, I think on the foul line or something like that. Um, he's like, man, that, that, that celebration you do with the stash, that's kind of cool. Can I do that? He's like, yeah, man, go for it. And apparently like a few plays later, like he did it and like really got Timmy good and got him on an and one. He's like, oh man, how are you going to do that to me? Like right there. So he even has fun with it. And when I was sitting in my press seat, I noticed there was a, I don't remember who was on the line, but he was on the, he was, he was on the block next to Timmy Allen. They were, they were kind of going at it a little bit. I think that's fun. Let's, let's, let's embrace more personality, particularly in college basketball, a sport that could could really, really, really use it. And for for Timmy to be the best player in the sport, which was the driving force of the column, he just reinforced that. Not a, not a shock. Our preseason national player of the year, 
I, I think everyone's preseason national player of the year. And with good reason, returning a consensus second team All-American from last season and the only consensus every single, you know, preseason AP first teamer, the only player to get a vote from every single voter. It's no shock that he's the best player in the sport, but we wanted to still see it. And against a presumably a pretty good team, he goes for 37 on 15 of 19 shooting with seven boards. If he really wanted 40, he could have had it. He scored the third most points ever in the new kennel. I tweeted the other two, but if I did you see it? I'll trivia time you right now if you didn't see it. I, I did see it, but I don't remember it. I, I know one of them was Adam Morrison. And the other, Morrison had 42, and Roni Turioff, the yeah. first year that the McCarthy Athletic Center opened, dropped 40, I want to say, on Idaho. One of them got Idaho big time. So, uh so good stuff there. He didn't quite get to 40. He, he, he damn well might this season though. Rashir Bolton had 16. Uh, Andrew Nemhard was, was obviously key. If you're looking at the, at the podcast, you can see the box scores here on the, on the screen, courtesy of Nada. Um, uh, uh, I thought an important win, although few downplayed this afterward when I talked to him, I thought this was kind of important for Gonzaga to get this win over Texas. By the way, another side plot to this, Texas never really recruited Drew Timmy and he's from the greater Dallas area. Like when he had his final 10 schools, Texas wasn't on it. And that he didn't like outright say, there's no doubt about it that that bothered him and that he, it was a, uh, it was a contributing factor to his performance there. So, uh, and not like Chris Beard and his staff have nothing to do with it, but still he took, he took it out on him. You know, it, it's, it's the Ryan Gomes story. It is the Ryan Gomes story. Exactly. Look, if you're really me, young, you want me to say I effed up. Okay. I effed up. <laughs> The only different all, all time great press conference moment from Jim Calhoun. All time, all time. I, I know we and I know we have like 18, 19 year olds that listen to this podcast. And the Ryan Gomes thing was like literally probably like 16 years ago. You have no idea what we're talking about. Go Google YouTube, YouTube. Ryan Gomes, Jim Calhoun. He was a Connecticut product who did not go to UConn because he was not recruited by UConn. And then he punked UConn when he was playing for PC back in the day. And like, and, and like the, the point Calhoun was making, which was, was like, we took guys who were better than him. <laughs> like, you know, it, it's not like we, you know, they, I think they took a Mecca Okafor. I don't know if the years are lining up, but like they're in a press conference after Ryan Gomes just kills them. And, uh, and the, the questions are like, so why didn't you recruit Ryan Gomes? <laughs> and, and Calhoun's just had enough of it. Cause he's been hearing it for years. Uh-huh. And, he, and he's like, what, what do you want me to say? Do you want me? And I'm paraphrasing here, but he's like, you want me to say I effed up? Okay. I effed up. And it's just, it's an all time yeah. great. And like Ryan Gomes worked with us at CBS sports network over the past couple of years. And I, I remember talking to him about that and, um, it's it's a it's a wonderful Calhoun moment, uh, and Drew Timmy is like the 2021 version of that. Although I bet, and I haven't done this, but I bet if you go back and look at recruiting rankings, Texas took you know a handful of guys who were supposed to be better than him. Well, that's the exact thing that I kind of dug into. Texas was recruiting Mo Bamba, Jericho Sims, like the big Shaka Smart was going after. Did not look like Drew Timmy. It was a different kind of whole idea they had going. And by the way, those guys were to to quote Jim Calhoun, they're not bad so uh but hey now timmy gets to uh gets to stunt on him and stunt on him he did but i thought it was important for gonzaga let alone it was playing another power conference team let alone it was from the big 12 and let alone it was from texas just the way baylor was to come out make a statement and you you had a gp like it was a 12 point win i don't know if it felt like 40 but it certainly felt like double that and it was never, uh, it was never competitive never not at any point not at any point. It, it was it basically was at the point where I was like at halftime. I was like, I, think I know what I got to write about here. And five minutes in the second half, I was like, yeah, this is. Well, let me ask you this. 
because I, I know you spent like real time. You didn't just see the Texas staff, the Gonzaga staff before the game. You like spent real time with them. I've done that before. And sometimes they know. Like I've been with staffs where they go, you know, like publicly they're saying all the right things. Privately, they're like, we're not ready for this. Like this is not, this probably isn't going to, did Texas know? Did, did you get the sense that the staff knew we are not ready for this? No, but I did, but Beard for sure. Here was Beard's big take going into the game. He's like, man, this is awesome. I, I love that my team gets a team to play that's this good this early. He literally said, as we're sitting there watching Nova UCLA go to overtime, he's like, I, I said something like, you're not, tomorrow's game ain't matching this. This is just way too good of a game. We'll get to that in just a, in a hot minute here. And he's like, he's like, yeah, but it doesn't matter win or lose tomorrow. If we lose, there's really no downside for this team, for us, for the program. And he's right. It, it does a loss. It counts as a loss and it's, it, it's worse than a win, obviously, but uh, no real idea because Texas has a lot of pieces, had a lot of age and experience. I know Gonzaga was understandably concerned about how those veterans will play. Cause this is statistically Gonzaga's youngest team. Uh, if you go to average experience at Ken Palm, I think since 11, 12, so nine seasons was the last time, even though it's got a hell of a great veteran in Timmy and a really, really good experienced uh, returning starter point guard, Andrew Nembhard. So many of the other pieces, they're freshmen or they're, or they're just new pieces. Bolton's he's an older guy, but uh, his first year getting run with Gonzaga here. So there was a lot of curiosity. I wouldn't say there's any kind of concern and both teams were kind of just waiting to see what the other was going to give them there. And uh, Beard said after the game, because I, I asked him, what's it like to scout, prepare? He like, I think, I think that Texas staff probably watched the Baylor-Gonzaga championship game like seven, eight times. Why wouldn't you, right? But it's one thing to prepare for Timmy and like, and then when you're facing him and it's his first big opponent of the season, he's gotten even better and he does what he does so well. That's kind of my last thought on on this that I was saving for the podcast. I didn't put this in the column, but I certainly thought about it. I love the fact that Drew Timmy just kicks ass at what he does. I don't know. Maybe he'll be so awesome this year that he winds up going to the NBA, but even talking to a few NBA guys uh, that were on, on hand at the game, there's really no guarantee. Like, he can go if he wants, and he'll get some looks, but um, until he improves laterally, defensively, shows that he can shoot from deep, he might just be a freaking un unbelievable college player. And why can't that be enough? Right. For him to, he's going to get better and he's going to listen to the criticism and all that, but he kind of got his feedback, like not going to happen. He didn't, he didn't harp on. It. He's like, all right, F it, whatever. I'm coming back. And for him to still be great at what he's doing and do still do the same stuff. I thought it's kind of fun to itself. You know, understandably, a lot of guys are going to get this NBA feedback and they're going to, they're going to really go hard at the stuff that, that they, that they got to improve on and they should, but Timmy has a certain confidence and comfort, uh, comfortability with what he knows he's flat out awesome at and he used all of that stuff the stuff that made him really great last year he's gotten even better at and texas was helpless with a smaller lineup to stop him on saturday night and just a great 37 points 15 and 19 first big opponent of the season hell of a statement by him and gonzaga the way i wrote it in sunday morning's top 25 and one is that um he was unguardable like literally unguardable by any single Texas player. Like you want to throw multiple people at him, then he's going to have to get rid of the ball, maybe. But nobody was guarding him one-on-one -on, -one on Saturday night. And sometimes in this sport, you get great prospects who aren't great players. And then you get, on the other hand, great players who aren't great prospects. He's a great player, great college basketball player, who's not a great NBA prospect for reasons you've already highlighted. Um, 
and this is where name, image, and likeness could play a big role. Typically, guys like him, even if they're borderline NBA prospects, like, you know, might be picked 55th, might not be picked at all. They just go because there's like, there's nothing else for me to do here. I've been a first team All-American. I've played in the final four. If he can really capitalize on name, image, and likeness, like why not do four years of college? I I agree, I agree with you. He's got a potential. This guy could be back to back national players of the year, which is a rare thing in college basketball because yeah. usually we usually lose those guys. Um, yeah, like this is where name, image, and likeness, and we'll we'll see, you know. But I think this is where name, image, and likeness is gonna it's gonna pull those guys, guys like him who are borderline NBA prospect, but college stars. It's going to pull those guys back to college because what any agent, which they're allowed to have now, is going to tell them is you make more money playing college basketball next season than you can make playing professional basketball next season because we don't even know where you're going to be able to play professionally. That's right. Uh, By the way, Gonzaga is going to return. I meant to mention this earlier. Gonzaga will return to Texas next season and will be the first big opponent Texas plays when it has the Moody Center. It's new building us uh, in a year from now. So uh, we haven't seen the last of these teams. On your note about that, for sh- when I, I sat with ESPN commentator friend Frischilla during Gonzaga's practice, I don't know if he said this on the broadcast or not, obviously, but Frischilla had mentioned that if he comes back, he'll have the potential to be like Tyler Hansbro level famous and impactful in terms of being a four-year guy all-American level, three seasons kind of deal. And he's he's absolutely – so I don't know if he mentioned that on the telecast or not, but we certainly talked about it if he decides to ultimately come back. Uh, real quick on, on Texas, it doesn't play another game of note, and barring a loss here, until it's on the road at Seton Hall on December 9th. Still got Stanford on a neutral. There's not, a, there's not actually a ton in the non-conference. They got a bad Stanford team. Uh, and then they got to play the SEC Big 12 Challenge. So it will have Tennessee at the end of January, which will probably be a pretty big game when it gets to it. But if you are intrigued about Texas, uh, I don't know how much we're going to learn about them over the next month. They've just got they've got inferior teams up and down the list and someone understandable when beer takes over and you're not going to try and go too too nuts. But you take a roadie against Gonzaga and you take the loss there. Uh, they still don't have Dylan Dessou back. He's going to be a pretty important player once he gets back uh, into the rotation. Timmy Allen had 18. I do think Timmy Allen will wind up being uh, one of the two or three best players on this roster. He called Drew Timmy the toughest player he's ever had to play before, like the best player he's ever he's ever faced there, which makes uh, which makes a certain amount of sense. But I don't have any quote unquote overreactions, you know, playfully or otherwise, with Texas. They just got they got handled, they got beat, um, and Gonzaga just it was really on one there. So we will wait and see. I said at the start of the season I didn't think Texas would be a top five team this season. I'll stick with that, but I did have them, you know, top ten to twelve, and I still think that could be possible, but. It feels like this team is going to be uh, let's circle around middle of January and then let's really do a diagnosis then because there's still a lot for them to uh, to figure out on the whole with so many new pieces and new spots. I had Texas third in the preseason top 25 and one uh, only behind Gonzaga and UCLA. I dropped them to eight, so still kept them in the top 10. You know, once I'm going through those teams, like I think anybody in that range is susceptible to losing my double digits at Gonzaga. So I'm not going to punish them too badly for that, but um, it, it's undeniable they they were uncompetitive at at Gonzaga and handled easily despite the fact, and I guess we're about 30 minutes into this thing, and we haven't mentioned yet, Chet Holmgren gave them nothing. Like they 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 beat Texas and Chet Holmgren did nothing. 
one of three from the field, two points, five rebounds, two blocks. So okay, maybe a little more than nothing, but not much more than nothing. Um, you you could, and it, it's funny because like, uh, I half jokingly after Gonzaga's first win was like, are, are we sure like the national player of the year is even the best player on his own team? And I, I was half joking, but like actually wondering because yeah. Holmgren turned in a, a historically great um, stat line in his college debut. You know, the first player in 25 years to get 10, at least 10 points, 10 rebounds, five blocks, five assists in his division one debut. And obviously, by the time you go to sleep on Saturday night, you're like, ah, nah, Drew, yeah, the National Player of the Year is the best player on his own team. He was awesome. <laughs> um, but Holmgren d- did nothing. And I, I like, how about this? Two points, five rebounds, two blocks. Paulo Bencura will never have a game like that, ever. Are you concerned at all that Holmgren had one like that? No, I did talk uh, afterward with Few about that. Few is insistent that... Uh, yeah, like offensively, just they didn't need him either. But right. uh, his the way he put it was like he puts he fills every bucket is is how he's is how he said it. And he's like defensively, like he did alter he and he did like he did alter some stuff on that end of the floor. But he just didn't have a six or eight block game, and he didn't command a ton of rebounds. And you know, it was his first game ever against a team with like real grown men, like a legitimate well, that, that, team. That, that, that's the point I was making as, as I was sitting here with my wife watching it on Saturday night. Like this is the first time he's ever played against people like this in his life. It's the first time he's ever played with people. He's never played against people like this in his whole life. And he looked, you know, ineffective. Now that, that doesn't mean like, listen, he's still going to be a top five pick. He's still going to be a very good college basketball player, but in his first game against high major basketball talent, he was rendered not completely useless, but something close to it. Yeah, I, I certainly I, I certainly noticed it. I thought Gonzaga's win was all the more impressive because of it. They were able to do that and not need double-digit points, double-digit rebounds, 30-plus minutes, and four, six, seven blocks from Holmgren. Just didn't need it. Wasn't a requirement. If you didn't play a minute, they still would have won easily there. So I thought that was all the more impressive. Did talk to a few about it afterward, and... No concern and not a ton of, I got to say, probably not a ton of surprise from the staff on this. They just did, you know, he he's extremely, he's a super tough player, which I know it sounds weird to hear that when you look at how he's built. He doesn't look like anyone else, but he really is. And having talked to him, he's, he's certainly got that, but he'll, I mean, as we record this Monday morning, Gonzaga's got to turn around and play Alcorn State on Monday night. And who knows, who knows, like maybe he'll go, for, maybe he'll have an absurd game against Alcorn State. I don't know, but uh, well, it's a good team to have an absurd game against. Like they, yeah, sort, of, they sort of set you up for that. They do. They do. So we'll see. He'll, he's, I don't think every big game they play, he'll have that kind of showing once just give him a, give him some more reps, but I'm glad you brought it up because we, ha- we didn't. And he's a highly touted prospect and one of the more well-known players already in the sport because of how good of a recruit he was and, and the style of play he has. And the fact that he's, you know, seven two and does what he does so anyway um yeah it was it was a good time for gonzaga they were that good and they didn't they needed nothing from him so the other big game of the weekend it was ucla villanova we're gonna get into that one next but first check this out 
Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So the other big game of the weekend, it was UCLA-Villanova. Final score, UCLA 86, Villanova 77 in overtime. I'm assuming you watched this one in your hotel room. I watched it from the CBS Broadcast Center, and whoo boy, we were getting tired in there. It was late. It was much, much easier to watch that game on the West Coast than in the Eastern time zone. Yeah, I watched this uh, from the uh, – I watched this in the um... – the prep room, whatever you want to call it with, uh, with beard and company there. Um, and it was, yeah, it, I, I actually thought about you like back on the East coast. Cause that game ended almost, almost at 2 a.m. Eastern time, I believe. Yeah. So and we had a late night inside college basketball show, like a 30 minute show that re airs throughout the night and through the next morning. So we have to wait on that game. And every 30 minutes that that game wasn't over after our late game was over, we have to redo the a block you know, to make it live. So we had to redo the A block like three times. And at one point Stover, Brent Stover um, was like, you know, and, and so GP now we're at, uh, you know, we're, it's a UCLA four point lead in overtime. Johnny Juzang's got whatever he's got. GP, what more could you ask for? And I was like, for the game to be over. Stove, I'm tired. It's two o'clock in the morning. I, I was just happy I booked an afternoon flight uh, so that I didn't have to. Uh, and by the way, you got to learn to be better than that. You cannot book those 6 a.m. flights. I, I had to be home to, to see no, the kiddos. No, no, let, no, let me let me okay. let me give you a parenting trip uh, tip here. <laughs> Imagine me giving parenting. <laughs> my, Tell my, me more about your parenting tips after your child's birthday party and a Dwight Yoakam concert <laughs> in those classes, please. I'd love to hear this. Yeah, nobody needs my parenting tip. My, my, I have a seven-year-old and a now five-year-old, and they, they both cuss. Um, what I learned – I'm being sincere for a second here. What I learned a long time ago, nobody cares what time you get home. But when you're home, you better be home. You better be present. And so what I used to do is the same thing you would do. Um, I got to get home as soon as I can. So I'm in an arena till 2 a.m., but I'm going to get up at 4.30, and I'm going to get to the airport because I catch a 6 a.m. flight, and I'll be home by 8.30. Now you're home. You're exhausted. You want to take a nap. Um, you got work to do. Now you're home. And if you've already been gone for three days, nobody wants to hear, hey, I need to go lay down. No, what? You've been gone for three days. No, you, you, you know, be present. And so what I learned is that if you get home at two in the afternoon instead of eight in the morning or seven at night instead of three in the afternoon, if you're fresh when you get there and able to be present, 
it makes a massive difference. Nobody will be like, at least in my house, my wife's never been like, why, why, why didn't you fly home at two in the, why weren't, why didn't you land at 2 PM instead of 5 PM? Never heard that. But if I land at 2 PM, come home and say, I got to work or I got to lay down. It's like, Hey, you've been gone for two days. Be present. I mean, she would never say that to me, but I, I feel like that's what she would be thinking. I, I, now I always make it when I walk in that door, I've got my work done and I'm fresh so that I can be present when I'm there. Nobody cares when I'm not there, what I'm doing. But once you get there, you got to be there. 12 hours of travel. No hot water. <laughs> I forgot. Kidding, I it, have to shower after I fly. No sleep. Did you take a cold shower? I, I mean, it's awful. Miserable. Miserable. Like two minutes, get it done. Oh, it was a disaster. But kids wanted to jump all over me. Got to, you know, got to get our Sunday night wrestling in. They're just so funny. Um, but I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. I also love this idea that with the YouTube streams now, they're broken up into segments and someone's like, ah, you know, Gonzaga, Texas. I don't, I'll check that after. I'm going to go to Nova UCLA first. So they click over on the bar and it's Paris is like, let me give you some parenting advice right now, but it is highly appreciated. And I trust me, I reconsider that for next time. Johnny Juzang, 25 points was awesome. There was a stretch by the way, where it certainly, I know it wasn't ex this exact number. It felt like the teams made a combined 14 straight baskets in the second half. Just, just the kind of thing. And it, it's one of these double-edged swords. We don't need to get into again, why the game was on when it was on. It's, it's other contracts with other leagues and other sports, college basketball, November is not going to take high priority. That's why the game was on so late. It's unfortunate because if this game was played at say a Wednesday and this is at 10 o'clock at night or whatever, man, what a wonderful advertisement to how much fun and efficient and entertaining college basketball can be. Uh, during the regular season, they were incredible back and forth with, with all this stuff. And this was after UCLA looked good early. Nova actually went stronger late. In fact, if you go to the Ken Palm box score, it breaks it down by quarters. And it actually went like this. UCLA won the first 10 minutes, 17 to eight. Then Nova won the next 10, 22, 15 coming out of the second half. Nova won 27, 18. And then down the stretch to get it to OT, UCLA outscored them 17, 10. And then they had 19 and they, they had 19 points in the five minute bonus. The Nova's just 10 there. And it was it was awesome. I thought Jules Bernard had a wonderful game. He's the guy we never talk about on UCLA. He had 16 on top of Juzane's 25. Jaime Jaquez had 21 on top of, what, 13 boards, three dimes there. Tiger Campbell had his moments. It was I talked about how Gonzaga showing up against Texas the way it did, I thought was important coming off of the loss against Baylor. For UCLA, that's the other team that was highly rated going into the season with a bit more bona fides after what it did. But podcast listeners know we talked about why that might not necessarily be the case. After all, that was an 11 seed going into the NCAA tournament. It found fire and made it all the way to the final four. Hell of a win over uh, another under like Villanova looked undersized. And in, in some of the ways that uh, Texas didn't have the size to match up with Timmy, uh, that was kind of the same deal here with Nova. Now, they overcame it as much as they possibly could. Jermaine Samuels had 20. Colin Gillespie had 18. Justin Moore, who is the best post player as a guard in the sport, I think by far. Uh, I mean, he'll post you to death. Nova did that a lot with UCLA. Uh, they just didn't quite have enough. Both teams scored more than a point per possession, which was huge. And they combined for, what, 23s from beyond the arc there. So what do you want me to say? Wonderful win for UCLA to get that at home. 
validate that preseason number two ranking. It also helps set up, hopefully, for when the Gonzaga-UCLA game happens in less than two weeks. That will be a number one versus number two matchup, which we get every so often. It's not super rare, but yeah, I just, come on now. Game of the weekend was awesome. It's unfortunate it ended almost at 2 a.m. on the East Coast there. I was uh, fortunate enough to be watching it on the West Coast when it wasn't brutally, brutally late, but it was still late. And, and oh, by the way, last thing, and then it's all yours. I, I, I love that Nick Cronin rocked the suit. If you want to wear the suit, that was one thing one of the Texans assistants were saying. They're like, wait a second. You got Jay Wright in this game not going with the suit. Mick Cronin's going. like It's kind of like, whoa, what are we doing? I love it. If you want to wear the suit, coaches, I think it's a good look. If you want to go casual, I got nothing against that. But I like the suit look, and I like Mick Cronin really going against the grain here while most of the coaches, uh, as we're still technically in the dumbest pandemic of our lifetimes, are going the casual look. McCronin rocks the suit and gets the win. I don't think that's a coincidence. I feel like Mick uh, heard Jay say that they're going casual this season. And he was like, this might be my one opportunity to outdress Jay Wright on television. <laughs> that's right. I'm just, I'm just going to take advantage of it. And he did. He looked good. He looked good. All staff did. You're right. You mentioned Justin Moore posting up. Like, I feel like they used to do that with Jalen Brunson all the time, too. Am I remembering that correctly? Yes, you are. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, I remember Brunson being really good scoring, um, you know, uh, down there on the block, which was always interesting, um, given that he was a small uh, point guard. Um, yeah. Like, you know, we, you know, Juzang was terrible, not terrible, but like inefficient in the first half. One of nine, I think. So if you want to defi- define him as terrible in that first 20 minutes, I think that's fair. And then he just got going. And he was making shots from everywhere. And like you said, finishes with 25 points, eight rebounds, looked like an All-American. And I, I guess if we want to you know, rope these things in together, late Friday night we watch um, UCLA. Late Saturday night we watch Gonzaga. Those two teams were number one and number two in the AP poll. But more than that, number one and number two, the literally the entire offseason in the top 25 and one. When I first published the top 25 and one, the night of the national championship game, I had UCLA one and Gonzaga two. If you remember, it was just because I was like, I can't, I can't make Gonzaga number one again right now. They just got mm-hmm. blasted by Baylor. So I went UCLA one, Gonzaga two, and then Gonzaga added Bolton and they added Nolan Hickman. And it was just like, at some point you just got to, you know, pull away from the title game and just, forget it and base what you're doing on what they're going to have on their roster. And that looked like the number one team in the country. So then I flip-flopped it. Gonzaga won. I think version 10.0 is when I went Gonzaga won UCLA two, and it stayed that way the entire offseason. And here we are first week of the season and they both got top five wins. Now they, they played home games. You know, if they'd have been the ones on the road, maybe it goes differently. Although I doubt it for Gonzaga, probably for UCLA. It was an overtime game. It's like, it was an overtime game. That, you know, Villanova was up 10 with nine minutes to go. And Villanova had the ball, shot clock off, tied at the end of regulation. You know, that game could have easily gone the other direction. But, you know, this is the way we decide things. Games go, you know, however you win it, you win it. However you lose it, you lose it. And here we are um, on the first Monday of the regular season. And the Zags and Bruins had the two best wins in the sport. Um, It seems fitting. Because in the offseason, those at least were perceived to be the two best teams in the sport. And, and you know, so far, so good. Yeah, and it was, by the way, it was the first time I saw a Bruins beat writer uh, Ben Bolch tweet. Uh, it's the first non-conference matchup between top five teams at Poly 
since 92 in uh, in March. They played Duke. Now, that's just that's just back when it was awesome when you would have these random awesome non-conference oh. matchups. I, I, I would think it would be easy for UCLA to get big non-conference games like that because yeah. you know, if you're an East Coast coach. Why wouldn't you want to take – like Jay, I think, took his team. The game was late Friday night. I think they flew on Wednesday morning, got there Wednesday afternoon. They spent like they spent three days in Southern California. Like, why wouldn't you want to take your team to Southern California in November? Like, if I were the sure. coach, yeah. Like, it, it would like it would seem easy to get those types of games if you're UCLA because, hey, come you know, come spend three days in Beverly Hills, play us in basketball on Friday night, and then go back home. It's like a night. It's an awesome trip. Wonderful trip. I love, and they, these coaches got together like mid July, I think to start really uh, trying to hammer this out. They got it done and it gave us what will probably be one of the five best non-conference games between ranked opponents. We'll see this entire season there. So yeah, I, I you know, I wasn't on hand, uh, but that game did. I, I can't speak to how Gonzaga looked on TV. UCLA Nova looked and sounded awesome. Like it just, and that's a, that's a venue where they normally don't sell it out. You had uh, what Jessica Alba, Cedric the Entertainer. They got Michael Buffer, who I I want to say like his rate to do that. Let's get ready to rumble thing. I don't think that's cheap. Yeah, I think you just I, cost us fifty thousand dollars by saying that. Okay, exactly. I'm not even exactly. Kidding. It's like fifty grand for for him to say. Let me be clear. Just destroyed our entire eye <laughs> on college basketball budget. Do we have a budget? <laughs> no, but in radio, yeah, I don't think we have a budget. In radio, they like send us emails. Feels like every three months reminding us, do not ever say those words. Because <laughs> if you say those words, I don't know if it's 10 grand or 50 grand, but like you, you, I mean, he's got that thing. You cannot say that without having to pay that guy. <laughs> not a sense of note along. He goes, technically, fellas, I am your budget. Yes, you are, Nada. Shouts to you. Anyway, the point is, it was a huge, huge, huge deal there in that town, in LA, UCLA basketball. Matters again. Uh, I thought Bill Pulaski wrote a wonderful column afterward as well about all that stuff. So, you know, big time stuff there. The first of what will be a few high profile games for UCLA as we look forward. By the way, they also, like Gonzaga, are going to follow up with a game Monday. They got a late tip against Long Beach State. But both of those teams' next big game will be Tuesday, November 23rd. That's eight days away in Las Vegas, Gonzaga versus UCLA. They should do what we expect them to do. That will be number one versus number two. And as for Villanova, uh, I will be on hand for its next big game. We'll get to that later in the week. They're going to play Tennessee uh, at Mohegan Sun in a four-team, two-day event. So uh, That's a perfect example of what we were talking about earlier. I know. Like, like it's fine, but you put that game at Villanova or put Mm -hmm. that game in Knoxville, and it's just it feels and looks a lot different. I, I, I don't disagree. It's a Hall of Fame tip-off, so it's all in coordination with all this other stuff, and that's why it's a Mohegan, because it's close to the Hall of Fame and all that. But, I mean, I'm happy to get to go, but if you got to tell me that I get to go to Villanova, and, they, and like, if they played at the Pavilion, right, Tennessee Nova, we'd love it. But anyway, that's what they're, uh, that's what they're looking at ahead. Wonderful, uh, wonderful double dip. But there was actually one more game, right, GP? There was one more game of note. We previewed it on the Friday podcast that wound up being uh, at least relatively interesting between a ranked team and a home-and-home situation it's it's the only example from the weekend of a ranked team losing to an unranked team it was uh number 20 florida state losing to florida 71 55 they went to the o-dome and they got handled um you mentioned on friday's podcast that this was the 
first Florida Florida State game since the last one, obviously, but since the last one when Keontae Johnson collapsed face first on the court, it was just a terrifying scene. You know, he still hasn't played a game since. Um, he might never play again, but he's still a part of the program. And I don't know if you had a chance to read any of the quotes, um, you know, from the Florida players, Colin Castleton, um, after the game, but like they, this really meant something to them. And in a way that I don't think Florida State was able to match the energy. In fact, Leonard Hamilton even um, talked about it after the game. He said they were, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically he said they, they were really ready for this, and we, we weren't. Um, they, they, you know, to, to a man, the Florida players who spoke publicly talked about how badly they wanted this for Keontae. And how much his presence means to them. Um, you know, I think it was Castleton even who said, you know, we were around him all the time and he seemed a little down, you know, you know, in recent days, um, aware that he wasn't going to be able to play in this game. And, you know, it's a rivalry beyond that. And oh, by the way, I didn't even realize this going into it. Florida State had won seven straight against Florida. And so it's a rivalry. Um, it's a rivalry you've been on the wrong end of for a significant amount of time. And it's the first time you're playing this team since that awful scene happened. And Florida just came out, you know, they, they just, they played with a different energy and they looked really good. I moved them into the top 25 and one um, and removed Florida state. And I think they popped into the top 25 at Ken Palm. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what it means long-term, but in the short term, that's a, it's a really nice way to, 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 to have your opening weekend go. Yeah. So I'm, I'm on the Delta flight back from Seattle and uh, I'm on the, I'm on the aisle and I wind up the, the guy in the middle looks to be college aged and you know, it's an early flight. So um, you try and maybe get some plane sleep or whatever, but you know what I get stuck with? He's, he's falling asleep in the heads, the heads, the heads hitting my shoulder. You know, he's falling asleep. The head's dropping down. Yeah, he's hitting me and he's popping up. I'm like, I'm not sleeping. I'm not sleeping. I'm not having a situation where we're both, this both happens. We both conk out and we bonk heads. Like, it's just not going down like that. So I'm at like, some uh, point, at some point you got to decide whether you're willing to cuddle with a stranger or not. Yeah. And I wasn't willing, not in the, not in the middle of a, of a pandemic. No shot. So anyway, that leads me to why I can talk about this game because I watched the whole damn game. Uh, there was no, it was, it was either Bill's Jets. <laughs> Or Florida, Florida State, and I'm picking Florida, Florida State every single time. So I watched the whole game. I'm glad you mentioned what you mentioned. This was like Florida had some go, go, go to them. They looked good. They were really getting up and down the floor a ton and uh, looked damn determined to, to end that, that seven-game losing streak to the Knowles, and, and did, they did. Uh, Myron Jones, he had 12, but he had a few really, really nice plays. Castleton who was in our top 101 players with ease. He had 15 along with Anthony DeRuji. Uh, they tied for, uh, for team highs. Malik Osborne was really the only player on Florida State who did much of anything. He had 18. Uh, it was good win at home for Florida and Mike White. Very important. And they just, the body language was wonderful. I just thought Florida looked, looked like a quality team. Top 25 level. No doubt about it. This is after getting a, a comfortable 13-point win over Elon earlier in the week. And, you know, Florida's next game of note will be at Oklahoma um, on December 1st there. So, yeah, no, it was uh, 
important probably for that program to get that win. And I'm sure that was a wonderful locker room after and just to kind of be around that program probably today, tomorrow. Spirits are going to be high. FSU fans, you know, you never want to lose to your arch rival, but no reason to get too, too down. I just thought that Florida had it. Simple as that. Florida had it. FSU didn't. And uh, Gators, you look good. You look good in that win. I watched it from basically opening tip until the final horn, and it was a no doubt about it kind of victory. The Keontae Johnson situation is interesting um, because it was reported earlier this month that he has a $5 million insurance policy through the NCAA that um, he'll collect if he's unable to pursue a professional career. Not if he's unable to play in the NBA, if he's unable to pursue a professional career. So I haven't seen it reported this specifically, but it almost sounds like if he tries to play, it voids that policy. That's right. That's that's exactly my understanding. Correct. Yes. That's a tricky situation because it's like I mean, $5 million is real money. And, you know, do you chase your dream? I'm sure there's nothing he wants more than to come back and because he was a legitimate NBA prospect. Right. I'm sure there's nothing he wants to more than to come back and chase that dream. But is it sensible to chase that if it literally cost you five million dollars? I don't I don't know what you do there, man. I mean, I know I think I know what I would do. I think I'd take the five million dollars and yeah. try to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. But, you know, I, I can't I. I I, I can't tell somebody else how to handle that situation, but I can acknowledge it's a tough one. Very tough. I don't know what you, want, you almost want doctors to tell you you can't do it. I know. I you know. almost want doctors to oh, say the, the, the Florida doctors have told him you're not playing. So that's why he's in the spot he's in right now. The Florida doctors have said you are not playing. And clearly uh, there has not been the clearance from an NBA level where he would, because we remember Jared Butler went through this. Now, he got cleared by Baylor, and then he was flagged as everyone kind of behind the scenes knew he would be, and he eventually got cleared. But he didn't get cleared to Alabama. That's, that's, why right. he, that's how he ended up at Baylor. You know, that's Avery right. Johnson, my colleague, at, at, uh, our colleague at CBS Sports HQ, um, Avery recruited him, and they couldn't get him cleared at Alabama. And that's how they sent him to Baylor. He gets cleared to play, and then he gets flagged in the NBA. Then they clear him, and now he's in the NBA. Um, so it's a but like Jared Butler's, Jared Butler's a more obvious NBA prospect than Keontae Johnson because his ability to play both backcourt spots, he can really shoot it, all that stuff. I don't know, man. It's tough. I, if, if I were him, I would just want to be told by doctors across the board, you cannot play. So you have to take this money and you have to figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life. I think that's what I want. So that you're taking the decision out of my hands. I don't want to make that decision. Can you make it for me? Right. That's 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 almost where I think I'd want to be. Uh, there's been a number of uh, notable uh, notable upsets. Uh, one other quick note, though, on Florida, I wanted to mention this because I think it's pretty awesome. Castleton, he had a double double, but he went 15, five and 15, 15 and five stat line. Only him and Joachim Noah have done that as Florida Gators players since 96. Joachim did it in March of 06 against Villanova. Good on Castleton. He's a damn good player, and I think he's going to be uh, pivotal to getting Florida back to the NCAA tournament. Before we preview the Tuesday games that we want to give you a heads up on, uh, there has been a litany of power conference teams getting upset by some mid-major opponents. I'm not going to run down everyone. I'm just going to run down the ones that happened over the weekend here, and there's a reason I'm doing this. Uh, Furman beats Louisville in overtime. 
The ACC on the whole has taken a lot of bad losses. Now, Chris Mack wasn't coaching in that game because if you'll remember, he's still serving his suspension from the offseason after he had the whole, you know, kerfuffle with Dino Gaudio, extortion. We know all about that. If you have any tips that you need about extortion, please contact Gary Parrish, but do not do it over traceable communication. Don't do it over state lines. Don't do that. That's where Dino, Dino like drove out of state and started texting. Now he's got federal crimes. Yeah. He should have talked to me. I know how to extort. Again, I'm saying this on something that can be captured, recorded, and replayed for everyone to look at for future evidence. But if you need extortion advice, go to that guy right there. I know how to extort. I've been, Um, I I feel like I could extort in my sleep. Dartmouth extorted Georgetown. Georgetown lost its season. Georgetown waited until Saturday to play its first game of the season and got beat by a team that might not be better than six in the Ivy League. Not good. Bad. Uh, Really bad. Princeton, more more Ivy goodness. Uh, I think, what, Yale, UMass, Princeton beat South Carolina. Oakland beat Oklahoma State. Not good for a program that's on a postseason ban for 2022. That's a bit of a stunner. Shit it, shit it. What? Stanford. Is it just a that's a rough one? You wonder like what that postseason ban does to your team. Like, does it rip away something that would otherwise be there? Because that's a tough way to spend your first weekend. That's quite tough. Uh o- Oklahoma State's gonna next play NC State, which a uh, quick bit of news lost Manny Bates for the whole season. That's completely devastating at NC State's program. Manny Bates is their best player. Uh Stanford at one point was down 30 at Santa Clara. That was, that was our late game on CBS Sports Network. They beat oh. their brains in the whole game. Never close. What are we doing? Like, they like, got romped. Pete Gillum was in studio with me, and Pete was like, why do you even schedule this game? Like, <laughs> why, why are you going to play them? Like, playing Herb Syndex's team on the road, you know, first week of the season? What are, you, what are you doing? I don't know. I admire any coach that does this, but it's one of those, like, once you're in the middle and you're down 30 at Santa Clara, might be the fifth best team in that league. Rough. Um, it was a bad week end for like quote unquote coaches on the hot seat. Yeah, Frank Martin. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Patrick Ewing. He's not, did, but that's just but not improving the situation. It's yeah. not improving the situation. And then Jared Hassett at Stanford. You know he's in year six right now. Zero NCAA tournaments. The list of coaches at power conference programs who get a seventh year. With zero NCAA tournament appearances is pretty, pretty short. It's it's quite small. Um, yeah, and there's you know I'm not running down the whole list, but there's been other teams that have taken bad losses as well. And then the other couple from the weekend, uh, just you know, this isn't power conference, so to speak, uh, through and through. But Wagner pasted VCU. GP talked about VCU on a preseason uh, conference, best of the rest, and that's one of those deals. Like ugh, that's rough. Um, but two more, okay. Mm. Um, UMass Lowell. I know you saw your mentions. You saw what happened, right? Yeah, they went to they they went and handled Dayton, no problem. Elvis Presley smiling, smiling from above, smiling from above. You I, I was at Graceland just last night, <laughs> paying respects to the King. How about this though? UMass Lowell wins mm-hmm. on on the road against Dayton, fifty nine fifty eight. Do you know who's on Dayton's roster? I was unaware until it was tweeted in my direction. There is a dude named Kobe Elvis. What I'm saying on Dayton's roster, Elvis loses to his alma mater. 
Are that's, you kidding me? That's a t- it's a tough one. I know, I know, I know. The king was happy though over the weekend. What a what a weekend for the king! <sighs> Unbelievable. So shouts. Listen, I, we've become your go-to podcast for all things UMass Lowell. I don't know how. I still, I still don't know why we can't get Elvis's Wikipedia page updated to include. They just gloss over his semester at UMass Lowell like it didn't happen. That's right. They're like, they're like he moved from Tupelo to Memphis and then went from Memphis and then he was at Sun Studio. And I'm like, what about the semester he spent at UMass Lowell? You're not <laughs> going to put that on the Wikipedia page? He was at Mem- He was in Memphis, graduated from Humes High School. My grandmother went to school. And then my grandmother, she went to University of Alabama, and Elvis went to UMass Lowell for a semester, came back, recorded That's All Right, and the rest is history. <laughs> nothing but facts there. It's nothing but facts. Great facts in that paragraph. Get it right, Wikipedia. Last one's not an upset, but I have to play this. BYU gets into a defensive tussle with San Diego State. We previewed it on the podcast. We both took BYU to win and cover, did we not? We did, 100% did. There we go, and that is exactly... One team's got Alex Barcelo, the other team doesn't. That's what I said, and Barcelo hit like a... Do you see the shot he hit? I did not. Oh, like, this he's falling, like, leaning jumper in the final minute to secure the win. It's just a, a great shot from a great college player. He had 17 points. Why am I bringing this game up? Did you see Mark Pope in the postgame? I did not see Mark oh, Pope. Oh, I can't wait for you to hear this. I can't wait. This is Mark Pope. After this game, the man was a little bit fired up over the fans in the stands. Coach, how would you describe the atmosphere in the Marriott Center tonight and what type of an impact did it have on the result of this game? I thought the, um, the atmosphere was... Incredible. I'm going to rewind that and play that one more time. That is going to be an audio drop. Listen to this again. I thought the, um, the atmosphere was unbelievable. Woo! <laughs> All right. Cue it up. Cue it up. And let's pretend that's Brandon Davies instead of Mark Pope. Now let me ask Brandon Davies a question as the sideline reporter. Okay. Ask Brandon Davies the question. Brandon, what was it like? When you walked into that room as an unmarried man, what was the atmosphere like when she took her clothes off? I thought the um, the atmosphere was unbelievable. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> that man got kicked out of school. He just wanted to smash. It's a tough situation to find yourself in. On one hand, you want to play basketball. On the other hand, you want to have premarital sex. What do you do? It's a tough. Thank God most of us don't have to make that choice. You know? We can do both. It's just tough. It's tough. True true story before we preview Tuesday night's games. This is it's 100% true. So, uh, was with Mark Few on the, on the floor at the, at the kennel. And uh, it was after their practice or whatever. And a young man comes up, says, hey, love the podcast. It's a college kid. 
and um mark's there with us i was like yeah we just we kind of we podcast is wonderful just sometimes we just venture into like the most ridiculous things like premarital sex turns out it's mark fuse kid <laughs> just sitting there talking with it he's like mark goes well okay then what are we listening to aj and i was like okay this actually is happening this is a moment right now uh so uh we we do have there is a faction of listeners children of head coaches in college basketball uh do listen to this podcast most of them i believe are college age or older so anyway appreciation to uh to all listeners everywhere but that's now back-to-back podcasts uh the return of premarital sex on the pod. That, that's all I got. Mark Pope, thank you for that audio drop. It's going in the inventory immediately. We'll try to talk about camel fighting at some point in the next week. Duke, Duke almost lost. If, 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 camel, if the camel fighting camels had actually made that a little bit closer, they would have. I feel like this was happening at the same time because I like, was it Saturday? Yeah, it was Saturday. And I was yeah. like trying to, I don't know what I was trying to do. But I just, I, I walked away from my phone, my computer. I stepped away for 30 minutes and I came back and it was like fighting camels and UMass Lowell. <laughs> all, in my, all in my mentions. I feel like it was all happening around the same time. Amazing, amazing. Um, and we're recording this Monday morning. Uh, we're going to give you Tuesday. So it's not a lot Monday night. The Gava game starts. So you got like Illinois Marquette, Providence, Wisconsin. Oh, a, a, a shout to Furman again. They play Belmont. They beat, uh, they beat Louisville. The Furman staff was like, you need to give us our love on the podcast. You got your love there, but go ahead and beat Belmont. Then we'll talk. Knock out Belmont. Then maybe the Dins will get a bit, a little bit of love here. You're going to keep daring people to beat Belmont. They're going to end up with seven losses before the new year. <laughs> I might be. I might be. Really jinxing the Bruins here. Um, but uh, Tuesday games to know. What do you got, JP? Um, well, Monday night, Illinois at Marquette. That's, uh, Illinois, that's Illinois without Kofi Coburn. It is. I didn't put this on like the uh, – we can talk about it, but I figured, you know, Monday podcast, Monday night game. I'm, I'm tired of talking. Like we, <laughs> like I, I'm, re- I'm ready to go whenever you are. You can rap? Okay. Well, hey, listen, Illinois <laughs> at Marquette, it is a road game without Kofi Coburn. Uh, we will see – if Mark can actually keep it going. Yeah, that's a tricky spot. Tuesday night, um, Virginia at Houston is good. Uh, Seton Hall at Michigan. Uh, BYU at Oregon. Yes. St. Louis at Memphis. And then I'll be at uh, UNC Charleston. I'm doing sideline for CBS Sports Network on UNC Charleston. Do I tell me, do I have to get a leaky black selfie? Yes, me and Leaky Black. This, why are you? This is not even a question. Has to happen. Although, yeah, no, you got to do it. I feel like I have to get a Leaky Black. You got to do it. Did you? By the way, did you mention Virginia Houston in that rundown too, or no? Literally said Virginia at Houston. Just making sure. Listen, that's a throw. I mean, that, that's the best one. I it think. is the best one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's eight o'clock Eastern on uh, again Tuesday night. Virginia at Houston. Uh, we'll see. That's that's uh, that's an interesting one for both teams there, Virginia. Obviously, already took the, the troubling loss, if you want to define it as that, um, against Maryland. Uh, I mean, against against Navy. Against Navy. Maybe I'm done. Maybe I'm done and with talking as well. Uh, that's the best one of Tuesday. Seton Hall, Michigan. Uh, we'll we'll see about that one. And then BYU, Oregon, probably the best one of the night. Just so everyone knows, GP mentions he's going to be at the game with Leaky Black. We were late on this one because of travel. I think we're going to try and get you that podcast, normally the Wednesday morning one. So we were a little late on the Sunday one. I think we're going to be a little early for you on the Wednesday one. We're going to 
GP will be on the road, but give you something because the travel, we don't want to have you wait too long on Wednesday. So maybe um, we know the, the fate of Seton Hall, Michigan, and we get it rolling as BYU, Oregon are planning. And uh, regardless, when you wake up Wednesday morning, it is our intention to have both the YouTube video and the podcast loaded in the feed for you. And we'll talk about the latest doings in, in the sport. We ready? Dude, I'm ready. I'm uh, this was this went longer than I thought it would, but it was it was nice to talk uh, Spokane and and Mark Pope and premarital sex. Love premarital sex. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, you can't have it anymore, though. That's we're both we're both, you know. That is the that is a that is the downside of getting married is that a you lot know, of people you know a lot of people don't realize that people don't realize you got to put 68 teams into a 68 team tournament. That's right. Only four teams talked about enough, right? Only- the, the thing people don't realize is only four teams can make the final four. That's correct. People see people don't that, don't actually, work, that actually works both ways. You can you can use it this way too. When somebody asks you, like, you think so and so, you know, you think so and so is a final four team? Well, I mean, the thing you gotta remember, you gotta put four teams in there. I mean, four teams have to get there. They gotta get there. That's one of the that's one of the most I, important. I love saying obvious things with like in a tone that makes it sound like you're really that's enlightening right. people. I mean, listen, here's the deal. You got to put four, you got to put four teams in there. You cannot have premarital sex when you're married. I've been trying for like eight years. It's not working. (laughs) Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. How close am I going to be to Chester, South Carolina later on tonight? I think, remember, I I have no idea. Remember, we did a podcast live from Charleston, South Carolina one time. I did. I was there. You were there. We'll be there again. We'll do it again. Second, second podcast from Charleston, South Carolina, which isn't too terribly far from Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Will Allen. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening to the I Own College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. <laughs> so dumb. I had to go grocery shopping yesterday morning. I bumped into somebody I knew way back then. They start saying some wild, wild stuff. I just told them. I just looked right at them. I said, this is the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. We're going to wrap right now, but I'm going to tell you this. I didn't trust Lyft to schedule it, so I went to the local cab company. What? I didn't. Super early pickup to get to the airport. The dude who picked me up and brought me to the airport. The word woke was used unironically about 11 times in a five-minute, seven-minute drive. I was like, what? What did I do? It's the dumbest pandemic, man. It just gets dumber and dumber. I scheduled a lift last night to pick us up from, from our home, take us to concert. My guy was 30 minutes late. Is that acceptable behavior? That's why you got to call the cab company. There is a 0% chance of calling where I live. <laughs> I was like, listen, I scheduled this five hours ago. How could you not be on time? I mean, I don't want to argue with him once I got in the car. I just said, hey, how you doing? It's good to see you and all that. But, like, seems like you should be on time. If I scheduled something five hours ago? Keep in mind, we started this podcast an hour and ten minutes late. <laughs> so, so maybe I'm not maybe I'm not the one to be speaking. To. Maybe I'm not the one to be speaking on this. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts including Apple Podcasts. And please go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just type I Own College Basketball in the search engine at YouTube. It'll pop right up. Hit the bell button so you'll get alerts whenever a new video drops. What are you going to do to that like button, dead leg? Smash! What would Brandon Davies do to the like button? 
Smash. He would. He would. It might cost him a, a year of college basketball, but he'd still do it. You got consent. That like button is giving you consent. Go smash it. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday night. Till Wednesday. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.